live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. From 29 yards out, the kick is on the way. Locke recognizes that he's got one-on-one, and it's just, there's nothing really to the route other than he's just running a flat go route. And Smith and Jigba, that's a great job of, of reeling it in. Man, you talk about a blue Monday during the holiday season. Bah humbug. If you're an Old Dominion Monarch fan or if you're a Philadelphia Eagle fan, doesn't get much worse than what happened to your teams yesterday. And if you happen to have the daily double and root for both of them, or in our case, at least follow one of them and root for the other, man, it was a day to forget as quickly as you possibly can turn that calendar page and do it. And, of course, I don't let you do it because I opened the sports huddle with play-by-play sound bites from ESPN of Western Kentucky's improbable rally to beat Old Dominion 38-35, leave the Monarchs reeling with a losing record at the end of their season at 6-7 and seven in a game that they absolutely should have won yesterday down in Charlotte. We'll get into that one. And then the Monday night game last night, a game the Philadelphia Eagles absolutely should have won and let it slip away. And the Seattle Seahawks kept their playoff hopes alive. Again, in improbable fashion, coming from behind and beating the Eagles 20-17. to So which one do we want to talk about first? Old Dominion's colossal collapse or Philadelphia's frustrating free fall now three in a row that the 10 and 4 eagles have snapped snapped both of those are on the docket for this afternoon sports huddle i guess on the positive side it's a sun splash tuesday less than a week before christmas and there are more bowl games to come and more nfl games to go i guess that's the good news welcome to the program this afternoon bob black with you here hosting remotely alan in our espn richmond studios today as our producer and that's a really good thing because he was at the famous toastery bowl yesterday in charlotte watching old dominion let that one slip away and lose to western kentucky so we'll be able to get an eyewitness account of that game from him coming up during the course of the show. And yes, it's a Tuesday, but we didn't have shows on a Monday. So when that happens, we move what we have affectionately called our mashup Monday to Tuesday, meaning that Matt Joseph, your friendly host of Border to Border from three to four, which hopefully you were just listening to moments ago, sticks around for another hour and meshes, mashes together with the sports huddle. And we bring you Border to Border and the sports huddle from four until five o'clock. And then we'll take you home from five until six this afternoon. 
Matt, I know you love the bowl games, so if you didn't have a rooting interest yesterday, you would have loved that one between Western Kentucky and Old Dominion, even if it didn't have all of the primary characters playing in that game. It turned out to be a gripping college football bowl game, and it actually went too long for some of us because it bled right into behind the web last night from over there at World of Beer, and we patiently waited it out and watched and listened to the overtime before we got on the air. But, man, oh, man, Old Dominion has really got to be feeling blue going into the holiday season, letting that one slip away. I mean, in the long history, Bob, of the famous Toastery Bowl, this is, we just, all we do is get great games. I mean, that's just, uh, just the way it is. And, by the way, I'm I'm very disappointed that we don't have a famous toastery here in Richmond. There's three in the state, but um, yeah, it's a tough day for ODU fans. Obviously, look, you want to win bowl games, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it was a terrible season for the Monarchs because they couldn't finish uh, in this game yesterday. But uh, yeah, that was a crazy game to say the least. I'm going to lean a little bit in that other direction, believe it or not. I think maybe we're reversing our roles a little bit here, but a 28-point lead a chance to finish with a winning record and they blow that lead and finish with a losing record. And it's one of the things I hate about bowl games, teams that go into that thing at six and six and lose and finished with a losing record. Matt, I just think this is going to leave a bitter taste in old dominion's mouth collectively for a while here. Now, maybe it'll turn out to be a good thing and a positive when they regroup and go through their spring practice and summer workouts and into next year. But right now, I think that's a pretty bitter pill to swallow, to build that kind of lead, to be right there on the precipice of winning that game, to have two field goals blocked, to not to be able to stop Western Kentucky on fourth and goal from the 15-yard line to win the game and then lose it in overtime on a second field goal blocked and then a chip shot winner for... Western Kentucky, I don't know. That's a tough pill to swallow for them. I mean, yeah, to some extent, yeah. But you kind of have to look at it like, hey, they made a bowl game. And here's the thing, Bob. We we always talk about motivation in these bowl games. And clearly, Western Kentucky in the first half didn't want to be there. They played like it. You know, Turner Helton was terrible as a quarterback. He was turning the ball over left and right. But the problem is, Bob, if you let these teams that don't really want to play get any sort of motivation whatsoever as the game goes along, then you see what happened yesterday. And that's unfortunately what ODU did with Western Kentucky. I really do wonder if that's how they played. So I'm going to bring Allen into our conversation here. And you're right. Uh, Helton starts the game, has the turnover, so they bench him. And I was reading the game story this morning. They bring in a kid, a redshirt freshman, Caden Veltkamp, who they had already told had no future as a quarterback at Western Kentucky. If he was going to stay there, they were moving him to tight end. And then he comes in off of the bench as the quarterback. Plenty of motivation. He wants to be a quarterback at Western Kentucky. And he throws for 383 yards and five touchdowns and wins the game. So, Alan, I'm going to get your eyewitness perspective here. And we'll chat with you a couple times during the next couple of hours about that game yesterday. And just what you saw from Old Dominion in building the 28-point lead and Western Kentucky rallying to win that game. Yeah, if they told Caden that he couldn't be quarterback, somebody needs to reevaluate him because he was absolutely amazing. Um, I didn't know who he was because he wasn't on the roster. And I, I was telling Matt, I was trying to Google him too, and I still couldn't find anything on him. But 
Um, Helton just was out of his element with the 3-3-5. It was confusing him. Uh, the first turnover, he just kind of tried to throw the ball away and fumbled it. The second turnover, that was a pick six. Uh, they showed that they were going to blitz like eight, drop two people. He threw it right to the defensive end. So he was just all out of sorts. Uh, Veltkemp came in and just managed the game, man. He was he was throwing the ball, back shoulder, deep passes across the middle. He was running. He wasn't showing any kind of signs that he couldn't handle the moment. And uh, he's a big reason why they came back. Well, I think that's going to be a fascinating storyline to follow. And look, we're not going to follow it that closely. It's Western Kentucky. But I will be interested to see what the Western Kentucky coaches do now, if they stick to their guns and they really do still want him to move to tight end, or if maybe that performance proves to them that he can fight and compete for their starting quarterback spot next year. And again, we won't keep our eyes too much on Western Kentucky uh, because we don't follow them very much. How about from the Old Dominion perspective, Alan? What did you see there as they built that lead? And then what happened to them in the second half to blow a 28-point lead in a bowl game? I mean, an opportunity for Old Dominion to get its second-ever bowl win. So I didn't get around to this on Big Al show this morning, but the press, press row was right next to the Western Kentucky uh, coaches booth and you could hear their conversations and stuff and I will be honest Western Kentucky found a weak point in the ODU defense uh, they kept attacking um, the the one side uh, with the with the running back coming out the backfield typically on the left side I don't know if there was some miscommunication or what but they kept getting that one corner in a situation where he just he could only pass interference he was covering too much space and they exploited it. And then um, ultimately what happened is ODU took their foot off the gas. I don't know uh, if they thought they had it in the bag when they were up 28-7. But uh, it, it took one turnover in the second half when they were down 35-14 to make it a 35-21 game. And then you could see that ODU was getting really tight and they were still going three and out. And they had a chance still at the end to make it a two-score game. They have the first field goal blocked, and I know they hadn't had any blocked all season. They were making a big deal about that on the radio broadcast. And, of course, we carried the game on 106.1 ESPN yesterday. My argument to that a little bit would be there's a lot of kickers who don't have anything blocked all season long. In fact, it's somewhat rare when you have kickers that have multiple field goals blocked in a game, and it happened all in one game uh, to Old Dominion. So we will follow that a little bit more closely and how they bounce back. I think that's a tough pill to swallow. I think that's a tough loss for them. Leaves them with a losing record. Again, it's one of my you know pet peeve things about bowl games. I love them normally, although starting to rub me the wrong way a little bit now with teams that will finish with losing records and all the guys who have been backing out of bowl games. Matt, I know you rattled off a list of more of them. Teams like Florida State, but even Western Kentucky had its starting quarterback say, I'm not going to play. I got ready for the NFL draft. Um, so there's a lot of nonsense going on there, but I, I just think that's a tough one. For Old Dominion, Alan, I'm going to ask you a few more questions about that, but I'll hold that off until the 5 o'clock hour because that was one of our two leads. And Real quick, Bob. Yes. Um, to make this story even more interesting, Caden Velkamp was in, is in the transfer portal. He's not, even, right. at, he's not right. even at Western Kentucky anymore, so he just helped his stock out immensely. Right. He was in the portal because he didn't want to become a tight end. That's exactly right. That's exactly what happened. And now that he has the performance that he has, maybe Western Kentucky's coaches changed their mind and let him be a quarterback, in which case I think, Matt, I think he would pull his name out of the transfer portal and would stay at Western Kentucky. So you're right. So I think it's a fascinating storyline to follow there to see if he you know, might stay if they will make him 
a quarterback. So a guy who wasn't even going to be at Western Kentucky leads Western Kentucky to a bowl game victory. Welcome to college football and college athletics in 2023 and about to be 2024. It's about to be 4.15 or so on the sports huddle. So that was one of our leads. Get, let's get into lead number two and tell you who and what we've got coming up on today's sports huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's sports huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by our friends at the Henrico Sports and Entertainment Authority and the new Henrico Sports and Event Center. For a calendar of future events or if you're interested in booking an event in 2024, get to it. Visit their website at HenricoSEA.com. All right, after the break, Matt and I will come back. We'll commiserate a little bit. I know you laid off it as much as you could in the 3 o'clock hour. I'm not sure I'm going to have the same kind of willpower about the Eagles' third straight loss in a game they absolutely should have won last night in Seattle and let it slip away 20-17. to So we'll talk some about that one. Uh, also at 4.30, Jonathan McNamara is going to join us from the American Red Cross, the Richmond chapter. Of course, he joins us regularly, one of our great partners here on 106.1 ESPN. I want to get kind of a year-end wrap-up from J-Mac on the American Red Cross. We'll spend a good amount of time doing that and then certainly talk some sports with him, being the big JMU guy he is. The Duke's on their way to their bowl game, probably literally as we speak. The basketball team is playing tonight, looking to remain one of the few unbeaten teams in college basketball so plenty to talk about with jonathan mcnamara he's coming up at 4 30 this afternoon 804-327-0888 get you on the air it's also our text line 327-0888 matt's sticking around till five o'clock we'll do a little tuesday edition of mashup monday for you for about the next 45 minutes or so wide open after that although i'm going to bring alan back into our conversation in the five o'clock hour we'll talk a little bit more about his experience down there in charlotte at that bowl game that used to be the Bahamas Bowl, and because they were renovating the stadium down there in the Bahamas, boy, those teams got gypped out of a really good trip. Not that Charlotte's a bad place at all, and they do a great job with the bowl games that they host, but Charlotte, Bahamas, December, hopefully it will go back down there to Nassau, Bahamas, and they'll be able to play the Bahamas Bowl once again moving forward. All right, break time. We'll come back, talk about the Monday night game, Seattle's improbable victory over Philadelphia in the Monday night football game coming up as we continue on 1061 espn let's get social follow us on x and instagram at espn richmond and find us on facebook by searching espn richmond don't miss a thing from your home for sports in richmond 1061 espn very well be me singing that maybe matt joseph's as well the only thing i want for christmas is an eagles win on christmas over the giants i would have rather had an eagles win last night over the seattle seahawks 421 welcome back to our mashup edition of border to border with matt joseph's and the sports huddle with yours truly bob black alan producing this afternoon 804-327-0888 matt i heard you mention you don't want to spend a whole lot of time on your beloved eagles and mine 
and their loss to Seattle last night. So we got about five minutes here. It's probably worthy of about that before we go to a break, and then we have our guest, Jonathan McNamara, coming up at the bottom of the hour. But for five minutes, I'll sound like WIP. I don't care. We do it all the time anyway. Which annoyed you more, the Eagles offense or the Eagles defense? Uh, Jalen Hurts annoyed me most. It was uh, unnecessary, his interceptions. It's unnecessary to throw the ball to Quez Watkins, and it's unnecessary to throw the ball deep when there was 15 or so seconds left, and you have a kicker who could kick the ball 60-ish yards even in the rain. So it was Jalen Hurts that annoyed me the most. I don't blame you. I don't know what he was thinking on that last pass and why they weren't just going over the middle. They had the timeouts to burn uh, to use to get Jake Elliott. He's already kicked what he kicked earlier this year, 63 yarder in the wind and the rain once. He would certainly have an opportunity to do it again, and I would definitely put it on his foot to try and bail the Eagle defense out as well. And I know, Matt, that they had those timeouts and were going to use them on what could have been a game tying drive if he hadn't thrown a dumb pass and an interception. But I really don't understand why defenses, when they have timeouts in a situation like that and the other team starts to get on a roll as Seattle did, that the Eagle defense didn't call a timeout in that stretch somewhere to try and get their footing about them and not let a team go 92 yards in like a minute and a half. I just didn't get it. I, I think, and, and I've seen Peyton Manning say this on every Manning cast, that basically the, the belief is the timeouts are for the offense. They're not for the defense. And, and you want to have as many as you have. And obviously it mattered. Well, it didn't matter because of the interception. But having those timeouts in that last drive could have mattered for them, Bob. I would have used at least one in hopes that they never would have needed that last drive. That was my whole point. They had held Seattle to 13 points in the game, and now they let them go 92 yards in a minute and a half to win the game. That's why I would have used one of those timeouts. Like there was a situation there where I think either there was a penalty or an injury, and I was like, thank goodness for that because that's at least giving them a chance to regroup, discuss some strategy, the personnel packages – that they wanted to put on the field. It was just very frustrating to me that they let them roll downfield like that and made, you know, Drew Locke look like, you know, whatever, an all-pro quarterback. That, I, I don't know. Maybe the defense was more frustrating to me last night because of the way it ended. Uh, I mean, the whole thing was uh, I'm tired of these primetime games. I want to go to bed at a normal time and not be annoyed and <laughs> – you know, it's just it's it's that they even during the the ten and one start there was well they haven't played their best game yet well they haven't done this well they haven't done that well they still haven't done that and now they're starting to lose so and, and I don't think any game is a gimme left like obviously look they're a huge favorite against the Giants they'll be a, a healthy favorite against the Cardinals and then against the Giants again but like there's nothing that it says to me they're going to take care of business in games that they're supposed to win. Well, I mean, you know me. I I do enough games and have been around it long enough that I would respect the game enough that I would say that. But right now, I'm kind of feeling it. Like, these are three games that you look at this schedule. Maybe they are should be considered gimme games for the Eagles, considering where they've been and who they're supposed to be. If you can't beat the Giants twice in Arizona, you don't deserve to win the division. I mean, it was right there for their taking to have the full game lead on Dallas with the win. And here's the other thing that frustrated me last night, Matt, and I've seen this before, and I understand teams make adjustments as the as the game goes on, but that opening drive was so powerful, so strong, so flawless. What was it, 15 plays, 80 yards, 
eight and a half minutes they took up in the first quarter. Why do they only score 10 points after a drive like that? Uh, because the script, uh, the opening script, obviously, is something you work on the most during the week. Um, and then Brian Johnson's not a very good offensive coordinator. It didn't help that while you were watching the normal broadcast, I'm assuming, Christian yes. McCaffrey is sitting uh, in his living room and calling out the Eagles' plays during uh. the Manning cast, which doesn't exactly help when somebody who barely watches the opponent is calling out the plays that are about to occur. Yeah, that's particularly interesting because now they did play the Eagles just a week before, but he's an offensive guy. He's probably not watching a whole lot of tape of Philadelphia's offense, and even he knows what the Eagles are going to run. 15 plays, 75 yards, 8 minutes and 29 seconds, and then after that it was mediocre. It was pedestrian, if not worse, for Philadelphia, and it just left me shaking my head and screaming at the television last night. And look, they're still tied for first in the division, and they're 10-4, and four, and they should finish 13-4 and four with three wins, probably win the division, which would get them to, what, the number two seed, right? They could still get the two well, seed. Well, they don't control their own destiny no, anymore don't. at the two because the Lions. So, yep. Uh, yep. I, you know, but I just want them to win. I don't even care what seed they are anymore. I just want them to win. So, like, I don't want to think about that other stuff. Just win a ball game. Yep. All right. Uh, and I guess if you're a neutral observer, you feel good for Drew Locke and what he did no. coming in off of the bench. I said a neutral observer. We're not neutral observers. I, I know. I get it. A bitter taste. There's a bitter taste in my mouth right now. So I'm glad Alan played the Christmas music because maybe that cheers me up a little bit. And that was the perfect song to play because all I want for Christmas, like you said, Matt, is an Eagles win uh, this coming week against the Giants and try and get back on the right footing. All right. Those were the two games that we focused on a lot yesterday was the uh, famous Toastery Bowl, the Old Dominion game, and their collapse against Western Kentucky, and then the Monday Night Football game. And again, if you're watching Monday Night Football, whether you're watching the Manning cast or just watching the game, highly entertaining, competitive game, as it turned out, keeps Seattle in the playoff picture. But if you're an Eagle fan like Matt and me, it was a very frustrating late night of football viewing, and it left me, at least, a little Grinch-like on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, All right, first half hour in the book. Our guy Jonathan McNamara is going to join us next. That will change my mood. I am certain about that. We will talk about all the good things that the American Red Cross has been doing over the course of the calendar year 2023, and specifically the Richmond chapter uh, right here in the capital city. And we'll also talk some sports with J-Mac, particularly James Madison, of which he is a proud alum. They've got their bowl game coming up in a little bit more than a week, and their basketball team, which is in action tonight, nationally ranked and still unbeaten. Jonathan McNamara, McNamara, uh, American Red Cross joins us next after the break on 1061. Uh, I lay off the eggnog when we go on the air on 1061 ESPN. The Dallas Cowboys all season is 1061 ESPN brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and Go. Welcome back. Sports Huddle, border to border, mashing together for this hour on a Tuesday afternoon. Matt Joseph's hanging around till about 5 o'clock, and then I'll take you from 5 until 6 this afternoon. Thanks for locking in on 106.1 ESPN. If you do that all during the course of the year, you know that one of our most significant and important partners are our friends over at the American Red Cross and the Central Virginia chapter specifically, and a guy who has been a regular contributor on several of our programs is back with us this afternoon to 
kind of wrap things up for calendar year 2023 when it comes to the American Red Cross and what they have been doing during a very busy year. He's Jonathan McNamara, and we finish up talking a little bit about that. We'll get into some sports conversation and the James Madison football and basketball teams and a few other things as well. Jonathan, first of all, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Thanks for having me, Bob. I, I did want to ask right off the bat, though, if, if you might have won the Mega Millions or something, because I, I was telling some people that I think you might be the mysterious or secret Syracuse NIL donor that's allowed them to be so successful over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> well, well, Matt Matt can certainly chime in on that, but I do think, Matt, and you, you were on this right at the beginning, and I don't want to waste too much time on this, um, that Fran Brown is one heck of a recruiter, and he's already showing that. You know, Jonathan, you know, uh, Bob was against stealing recruits from other schools until our alma mater started doing it. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I figured. So I I had a lead with that, though. So congratulately, I know it's been exciting for you guys. Yes, and Matt, Matt's right about that. I wasn't real big on stealing recruits, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is working out pretty good for this the old album. Looks pretty good. I, yeah, feel, I feel a little worse about it at the moment, but we'll we'll get to that later. Yes, 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 we will. And of course, he's got the Philly connection too, because exactly. uh, his upbringing is Camden, New Jersey, and he knows the whole Philly area very well in the Northeast. So yeah, we're we're excited about football again um, at the Dome in Syracuse, and we will talk about speaking of being excited about football. Your thoughts on on James Madison, and not only football, but basketball as well. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, J-Mac, I alluded a little bit to the busy part of the American Red Cross for this year, and I think maybe we say this every year at this time because it, it's always a busy year, but can you kind of put that in perspective of what 2023 has been like? Yeah, and I just want to say right off the bat, the reason we wanted to have this conversation and why we're working with you again is because throughout this year, your team has been such an integral part in allowing the Red Cross to get our message out. At the end of the day, the Red Cross is a collection of the community. It's volunteers. It's people who always flood drives. Uh, it's people open their doors to uh, support our efforts to respond to local disasters as well as disasters around the country. And in terms of our magnitude of responses this year, we sent hundreds of volunteers across the country on multiple deployments to places like the Hawaii uh, wildfires, uh, to the Midwest, California, um, hurricane responses, to the Northeast um, for multiple flood responses. And it's key to know that some of these volunteers went out seven or eight times um, on their own. And that is means two weeks away from their families. Um, they're going to deliver relief supplies or, or to sit in a shelter and comfort people who have lost everything. Uh, and that's on top of the uh, dozens of blood drives that we host every day across the area to make sure that hospitals have the resources they need. Um, and that's been a real challenge for the organization, but we've been able to meet the needs of these communities when they call um, because of your listeners and other people in our community um, who have made financial contributions to the Red Cross, who agreed to schedule blood donations, um, or who have supported us through advocating in the community for the many things that we do to support things like the armed forces. Uh, and that's why, as we approach the end of the year, we, we wanted to join you all to just say thank you, because without uh, support from places like ESPN Richmond and others, uh, we are not able to meet the needs of communities. And, and that's something we never want to see happen, uh, because when the Red Cross is not there, that means somebody is suffering. Uh, and that's our mission each and every day is to do what we can to try to alleviate that suffering in any form that it happens. Hey, can I go off script for just a Please moment do. here and give you a little bit of a, a personal experience and ask you to speak to this? And I don't think yeah. you and I have talked about this, and this has got to go back about six weeks, maybe two months, because the, the weather was really nice. I'm sitting outside at a park in Henrico County, just minding my business, enjoying my lunch, and an old buddy of mine walks by with his dog, and he was a coaching buddy of mine when we coached the Tuckahoe Little League and, and all that other stuff, and he's now retired. And I said, well, what are you doing 
in retirement. And he said, you know, one of the things I'm doing, I'm driving for the American Red Cross, and I am driving blood to different locations around the Richmond area and the Central Virginia area, and it's a very important volunteer thing that I can do, and I absolutely love it. And the first person I thought of was you, Jonathan, that this is this is literally what you talk about every time that you have been on our airways, and I said to my buddy, whenever my retirement time comes, and I don't know when that is, that sounds like something I'd be interested in doing. Well, we, we have a home for you whenever that comes. But uh, what I would say is this, is that's the perfect example of what the Red Cross is. It, it may be a uh, somebody in their retirement who has a couple of hours a week to give uh, to be what those, that position is called the transportation specialist. So um, mm-hmm. for a couple hours a day, they'll deliver blood to VCU Health or Bon Secours or HCA. Um, it's a great way to make sure that our costs can continue to be low because if we don't have volunteers to do this type of work, uh, we have to have couriers that we have to hire. So. The more volunteers we have in the system, the better stewards we can be of our donor dollars because what they're doing is allowing blood to get from our Emerywood uh, Parkway facility to a hospital in less than an hour if there's an uh, emergency call for a particular type of blood. They're also delivering scheduled um, blood uh, appointments and, and scheduled blood deliveries to hospitals, not just in the Richmond area, but up to Charlottesville, to down to the coast. So a lot of different ways people give back. But that story is actually just one of the many positions that we have a lot of retirees who give back to the Red Cross. It could be uh, supporting our disaster services teams. When uh, somebody has a house fire at 2 o'clock in the morning, there are teams that are on standby and on call uh, to make sure that they can give these uh, individuals resources to be able to start the recovery process to help them navigate uh, dealing with insurance, uh, to connect them to community resources that may be available. Um, all volunteers who have a passion for service uh, and your airways have been so important in letting people know that there is that need uh, and then connecting them to how they can get involved with the Red Cross. Uh, so it's a- another way that people have continued to give back this year. Many of those same volunteers deployed again, time and time again, to support communities across the country who had a need for the Red Cross. And we can only do that because of the generous support of the community um, who answers the call uh, to give, whether it's financial donations or their time as a volunteer. All right, like I said, when that time comes, I'm in. I'll I'll be driving around doing that for you, and I'll and, listen and to when, one. And when you do that, you get a Wawa gift card, too, for every one of your shifts. We have volunteers who say, hey, I only do it because I like sausage biscuits. So many different motivations that drive our volunteers, but we're, whatever it is that motivates them to serve, <laughs> I would just glad they do so. Oh, you just really hammered that home. You know I love Wawa. Exactly. That's like exactly. My, my go-to spot for sure. So, yes, I, I thought that was a great story, and I'm glad I had the opportunity to relay it um, to you. Bring us back to real time a little bit. Obviously, holiday season, winter months, all of that. Um, can you speak a little bit to what, what you, from the American Red Cross perspective, see in terms of, of situations and what people can do really to just stay safe during the holidays? Yeah, well, this is always a challenging time. First, I'll start with blood uh, for blood collection because as people uh, take vacations, go on their holiday breaks, um, traveling, we understand uh, that that leads to less blood donation appointments. We also are seeing uh, the impact of COVID and the flu uh, and RSV on both our staff as well as um, potential donors, and, and that has a real impact on the amount of blood that we can collect in a community. Um, so that is something that we're very concerned about and are why we're putting out the word so um, diligently and passionately for the need for blood donors. If you have a little bit of time uh, as you go through the holiday season, if you've given us an hour to schedule a blood donation appointment, that makes a big difference. Um, but also, this is a time of year where we see the highest number of home fires. As it starts to get cold, uh, people are turning on their fireplaces, turning on heaters. Um, we see a dramatic increase in home fires, and that's where um, our volunteers are responding. So we always put out the message to the community about the need to, to be practicing fire safety in your home, um, making sure you're keeping your space heaters away from uh, flammable objects, making sure you're watering that Christmas tree, because we unfortunately we always see Christmas tree fires at this time of year. 
Um, so many, many different ways that we're uh, working to try to make sure that the holidays are safe this year, but also to make sure we're ready uh, after the holidays to meet the needs of our communities because we do typically see uh, a pretty significant need for blood this time of year, and it's a very, very challenging time from a collection perspective. All right, uh, one more, Jonathan, and then let's turn sure. our attention to a little bit of sports. And I know Matt's chomping at the bit to start asking you some JMU questions, but I was glad to hear you say, reminding to water the tree. I literally did that this morning, so I feel like I'm right on point with you today. And the other thing that I did is make my, my little contribution to the American Red Cross um, with a financial donation online, yeah. something we really haven't talked too much about in these conversations. How can people go about doing that, and is that something that for the, for the person making the donation can be tax deductible. Yeah, it's important to know that the Red Cross only is able to deliver on their mission because of that financial support. Um, we're not an agent. We don't receive government funding. We uh, are a group that relies on public donations. Um, coming to the Red Cross, whether it's a, a somebody who donates ten dollars to the Red Cross or, or somebody who donates ten thousand. Um, many different ways that people get back to our organization, and that allows us to prepare for disasters. Allows us to train volunteers. Um, to make sure that uh, when there are calls for help from our community, there are Red Cross volunteers there. So redcross.org, you can make a financial contribution um, to support our efforts. Uh, and we know that many people do do that as a part of their holiday uh, giving. Uh, and that's something we're truly appreciative of. And that's why we always say thank you, because we can't say thank you enough, um, because we understand you have choices to who you give to. Uh, and when you get to the American Red Cross, we want to make sure that you are confident in where it's going uh, and confident in the impact that it's going to make right here in our community. And we're just grateful again. Uh, redcross.org again to make that uh, financial contribution that is tax deductible uh, and thank you to everyone who does answer that call and you actually get a little gift from the red cross when you yeah. make a donation yeah they don't yeah. they tease you too because they don't tell you what it is i don't even know what it is um it, it but, changes but but little things that we can do to say thank you to our donors is, is always a appreciate and of course we know what you get when you donate blood we've got t-shirts we've got socks we've got yep. gift cards lots of different ways to say thank you to our blood donors it's very nice. And I don't care. I would have made the donation. Either. I know, I know. That's all right, though. Yeah. Uh, all right, Matt, here we go. Uh, JMU, I think I heard you mention that they're on their way today, traveling down to Fort Worth, Texas, yeah, they, to begin they, bowl they made prep, it down right? there. They're on the ground. Plane landed. All right. There you go, Matt. So, uh, Jonathan, what are you uh, what are you thinking right now? Obviously, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, there's a lot of guys in the transfer portal. But what does it say about the program that most of them still want to play this final, final game? Well, I'm, first of all, I'm going to give uh, Bob credit because I listened to his interview the other day talking about the, the need for – there's going to be a national attention on the fact that at one point, Jamie only had four coaches um, you know, and somebody who's never called play call uh, in duties and Robolowski who's going to be doing that for the first time. We've got injured players, Nick Kidwell coaching the offensive line. Uh, Dave Riggert, a uh, good friend who calls Jamie games on the uh, radio network up in Harrisonburg, his game partner, uh, is now coaching tight ends for this game. So a lot of question marks. <laughs> Um, on top of, uh, obviously, some players who have opted out. That's just the world that we live in now uh, in, with this transfer portal happening before the bowl games. Um, but this is a proud program that wants to go down there uh, as a group that, that made a statement this year in their second season in FBS. Um, and from all the interviews and everything that I've heard from them, they want to go out uh, the last time this team will ever play together as a group. Um, but, yeah, let's be honest. There are some question marks with this. This is an Air Force team that was one of the hottest group of five teams um, in the country before they had some injuries does sound like uh, they're a much healthier unit coming into this bowl game. Um, had a chance to talk with one of their uh, assistant coaches, Mark Baitcoat, a uh, former Jamie wide receiver who's on uh, the Air Force staff now, uh, about his 
team coming into this game, and they are healthier. Um, so it's going to prove a real test for JMU. That option offense is really challenging to defend under the best of circumstances. Uh, so excited I'm going to be heading down to Texas to uh, take in the festivities, which should be a pretty special opportunity for a first bowl game. I've been to the Armed Forces Bowl before uh, in my work at the Red Cross because we actually have a role in this uh, bowl game as well. Uh, so really excited to see what JMU has, but a lot of question marks going into it, if I'm being honest, uh, from a fan perspective. And it's almost unfair that you have an undefeated basketball team, too. It's like, <laughs> yeah, what else can go uh, go right up there in Harrisonburg? Yeah, I will just say Mark Byington, uh, is somebody I've had a chance to interact with on a number of occasions. I could not be happier for him. He's such a positive guy and done such a great job with this program, especially um, because when he took the job, you know, he really hasn't had the opportunity to do much uh, outside of the, the COVID landscape. So this is his first opportunity really to, to show what this team can do. This is a really dynamic lineup that's, that's finding a way to win some of those ugly games that I think in past years um, you might have seen a JMU team lose. I think you could have seen JMU lose that game to Hampton you know, a year ago or so. Uh, but obviously some things working against them this year. Their strength of schedule uh, coming up is not that great. Sunbelt, um, you know, the power rankings for the Sunbelt, not as high as you'd want it to see it. But um, some big games coming up, some matches against App State. I'm really excited to see the top two teams. Uh, they definitely look like they're going to be the favorites between the two of them to compete for that automatic bid from the Sun Belt. But it should be uh, another exciting year for Jamie Basswell in the ABC. If you haven't been up to the Atlantic Union Bank Center, it's an amazing place to watch a game. Um, they've done such a tremendous job with that facility, and the fan support's been great this year. So, yeah, um, I, I'm really excited to see this basketball program having success because it's been a program that struggled for a number of years. Um, and to see it you know, getting the national attention that it deserves uh, is great for anybody who has purple blood. Should get to eleven and zero tonight against uh, one and eleven Coppin State. Coppin, I think the Duke, yep. yeah, I think the Dukes are about like twenty eight point favorites or something. Hey, Jonathan, before I let you go, I want to backpedal for a yep. moment here. So you're telling me that it, it's Drew Painter, right? Who was who yeah. was Dave's color commentator? Yes, it is, and he, he's out of the booth now, so he's going to be coaching tight ends for this wow. game. <laughs> I got to get him. I got to get him on the. One of us has to. You got a player tomorrow, right? Right, Matt. Yep. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and see if Drew Painter's available. That's a great it, man. What talk about a great guy, by the way, too. Yes. Uh, but just just another example of uh, somebody wearing different hats. Hey, Bob, I do have to give one shout out if I can, because I know he's listening really quick. Um, my dad is a proud Cortland State alum. Oh um, yeah, they won the Division Three national championship. Great in game. One of the best games I think I've ever seen, just in terms of uh, a crazy second half. I got a chance to go watch the. Uh, uh, semifinal game at Randolph-Macon. So I know that he said that this is just a smidge lower in terms of sports outcomes than his uh, four Islander Stanley Cups, but um, <laughs> just an awesome, awesome atmosphere at that D3 game at the Stag Bowl. And um, I know he's he's still beaming uh, with pride over the Red Dragons. There's a huge turnout of Cortland grads um, at that game at Randolph-Macon, and they made the trip up to the Stag Bowl as well. So pretty cool moment for all those uh, Red Dragon fans uh, here in the Richmond area. Absolutely, that was a great game. I watched the uh, the second half and the finish of it was was great. So you should they, he should be proud of that of that championship there in Salem at the Stag Bowl for them. All right, so I will. I'm, I'll try and reach out to Drew Painter. I think that's a great story. I mean, who's who's going to team with Dave Rigert now to do that uh, game? I, I think he announced. I didn't. I I saw him put out a tweet of who's doing it. I'm not sure of the name, but I know he's going to have a uh, a new partner. And hey, Dave's a pro man. He's used to doing a lot of these games without any help. Uh, at least on the basketball side, so no doubt he'll make whoever is uh, in the booth feel welcome. Um, but yeah, just uh, excited for uh, Drew Painter to, and a lot of these guys. They brought in some coaches who have experience with the option for this week, um, who have done a great job. And, and I was also excited to see that they're going to retain uh, Coach Robolowski uh, on Bob Chesney's staff. I, I know he's somebody who's really popular with the players. Um, should also help with the retention of some athletes for JMU because it's been. Uh, a little bit of a rough time in the transfer portal for JMU uh, with a lot of guys mm-hmm. making the trip to, to Indiana to be with Coach Signetti and staff. But 
Um, excited to see Coach Robo. He's uh, about as good of a guy as you're going to meet, um, and has done a great job as a part of this transition. Right, I'm going to try and get Drew on tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's my last show, actually, for the year, just with Richmond basketball and some other things. Matt's got the rest of the week, but I, I've only got tomorrow. So I, I'm going to I'm going to try and do that. I think that's a, that's a great story. Maybe it means yep. more to a guy in broadcasting, but I still think that's a great story, coming out of the booth and a former player down on the field and helping them coach in a bowl game. Real quick, Jonathan, what do you think? Early impressions of Bob Chesney. Oh, man, I mean, talk about, first of all, just a contrast in style. I mean, he's clearly mm-hmm. a player's coach. Um about as dynamic of, uh, of an individual as you're going to find in terms of just the personality and, and just um, from what I've heard from the people who have met him, just uh, really can work a room. Um, heard a funny story this week about Bob Chesney. Uh, he was actually in a reality show on CMT to become a cowboy, um, which is just shows that he obviously is not just a football coach. He's somebody with a personality. So if you, you Google Bob Chesney CMT, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, but he's done a great job bringing in a good staff as well, some uh, mix of coaches from Holy Cross and some other destinations. Um, but also showing that he's somebody who's willing to um, listen and, and also adapt by keeping and retaining some of the coaches who are on this staff. And I think it was uh, really good for him to say is he's like, look, I don't have to rebuild this program. I'm not um, doing what he's typically had to do, which is going into programs who haven't had success. Um, he's really taking the keys to a, a program that's had unprecedented um, success for JMU, at least uh, over the last couple of years at the FBS level. Um, and really excited to see what he can do because I do think uh, his pedigree speaks for itself. Uh, one thing I look at Chesney is a uh, big believer in judging people by what people say when you leave. Um, and to a person, I have not seen a post on social media in an era where no one agrees on anything. Um, Holy Cross and Assumption people um, love this guy. They've been messaging uh, Jamie fans saying, hey, you got one heck of a coach who's going to um, really be somebody that, that's going to take you to another level and do it the right way. Um, so uh, really excited to, for the Bob Chesney era, and, and JMU has had a, a run of, of really successful head coaches, um, and I think this will be another one for the program. All right, enjoy that trip down there to the Armed Forces Bowl when we flip the calendar <laughs> I'm to 20. I'm going to get back. That's the, yes. that's the surprise. I okay. have a flight that's like right after the game, so uh, we'll see how. I, my wife will not be pleased if I'm stuck in Texas uh, before yeah. Christmas Eve, so there's going to be an interesting all right, when we flip the calendar to 2024, we'll get you back on and uh, let you tell us about the experience. Thanks, thank you, guys. Jonathan. Have a good Christmas. And, uh, again, thank you to our donors. We appreciate it. Redcross.org, make that contribution. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you in 2024. Thank you, Jonathan. Jonathan McNamara, yep. American Red Cross, and uh, his blood is purple. He bleeds JMU purple, as you could obviously hear. Let's get a quick break in here. We'll get you to 5 o'clock, finish up the first hour after the break on 1061 ESPN. Week. Just head to our website and to our This Week on 1061 ESPN Richmond page for a preview of what's to come on 1061 ESPN. Bells will be ringing this sad, sad news. Oh, what a Christmas to have the blues. All right, finish it up here to the top of the hour with Matt Josephs, Bob Black, get you to 5 o'clock ESPN Sports Center. Um, Coming up, um, our really good friend and loyal listener, uh, Sonny Dirth from down there in the Newport News area, has been listening to that conversation with Jonathan and said uh, the analyst will be DeMonte Tucker Dorsey, uh, former JMU uh, linebacker standout. And I know, I think we both have probably had him on the air, Matt, at some point. I remember interviewing him as well. And of course, he's a state guy, went to Lake Taylor, uh, as Sonny pointed out. So that too will be in the booth with uh, with Dave Riggard for the bowl game. Yeah, losing him to Texas wasn't exactly a. No. 
it's, it was sad to lose him, but to mm-hmm. Texas, you, you kind of understand that. Yeah, I think you do, for sure. I wonder, what, what do you think it's going to look like down there? I mean, obviously, Jonathan's going to the game. Do you think it's going to be overwhelmingly purple and gold? I don't think so. I think the academies travel well, because don't mm-hmm. they have some Air Force bases down in Texas? Probably. I don't know. Right? I would think they would. I'm guessing it'll be a really well-attended game. And it could be 50-50, I'm guessing. And I think it is a great story. Let, I mean, if JMU wins the game, are they favored? Are they the early favorite? Two JMU? and a half. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's just a great story. You know, the way that coaching staff has come together, what Chesney has done, you know, Roblo as, as the uh, as the interim coach there. If they, if they win that game plus the transfer portal thing, um, that's a pretty good national story, I think, anyway. Yeah, and it, and if they lose, you know, it'd be kind of unfortunate considering all the circumstances, but somewhat understandable. Uh, Air Force lost what its last four regular season games, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, so they're they're on a little bit of a slide. I know you had their their radio guy on in the in the three o'clock hour. How are they with guys? They probably have their their full team. Don't yeah, they? and you yeah, can they, never they, tell yeah, about right. the academies anyway. They don't. Yeah. They, there's no news that comes out of those places. Yeah. No, absolutely not. You're you're right about that. But they probably don't get impacted as much as some of the other schools, um, potentially. All right, got just a minute. Uh, you're pretty excited about basketball tonight, right? Not not JMU. That should be a blowout. But Virginia's game against Memphis, we've actually got some pretty decent games finally after we get through the final exam break. Yeah, if, if Virginia needs a rebound tonight, obviously. That's one of their weaknesses. And, um, it, you know, Memphis is not the tallest team in the world in some places, but they're pretty good at crashing the boards. So, uh, and it's it's the first true road game for Virginia, so we'll see how they handle a hostile atmosphere. And there are a few other top 25s that are in action tonight, and we'll get back to our, our state schools really getting into action um, this weekend, right? I mean, I think everybody will get back in action uh, by the time we get to Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Yeah, Florida and Michigan tonight. That'll be fun, too, oh. to see uh, how that one goes. That one's got a really high total, like almost 160. So a lot of points. Should, uh, you And you obviously saw Florida. I did. That, I will be very interested to watch that game, and I'll probably have a little rooting interest for the Florida Gators in that one, as a matter, matter of fact. Uh, all right, Matt, uh, thank you. Uh, really good, fun hour, as always. We'll keep this rolling. We'll get back to some Monday stuff, and it'll be a little bit different with basketball season and all of that into play. So uh, just in case we don't catch up, have a happy holidays. I know you're on the rest of the week, right? Yep. You're through Friday? Yep. All right, and I'm, I'm today and tomorrow, and then uh, Spider Basketball Thursday and just starting the holiday break on Friday. So tune in for Matt tomorrow at 3. Tune in for more of the Sports Huddle with me coming back after the ESPN Sports Center update at 5 o'clock right here on 1061 ESPN. Trash is treasure at CNC 